The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover! Step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tiger? to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Monday the 6th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths can design your new kitchen or bath. Their talented designers bring to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Good morning. Did you have a good weekend? Did you have a good birthday weekend? Luke? I did. Oh, yeah. You know, it was the wrong weekend to uh, joyride in my balloon across the country. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but other well, At least than you that, got down to South Carolina. That's true. That's there true. Go. I got to see both oceans. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it was good. Uh, the Shepherd trips, of course, were great. Mm-hmm. Had a great high school game up Friday. Oh, you want to talk about a treacherous journey. The GPS had some oh, nefarious plans oh, taking us back through some farm roads in Pennsylvania on our way back through. So I went back and looked at uh, yesterday at the kind of the the course we took back from Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, and we were out there. It was dude. It was we different. were out there. I love that the the, the worst, like the, the 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 pinnacle of the drive where we needed to make that sharp left turn and oh, it was stumpy, like stumpy, stumpy, stumpy lane. Whatever. Stumpy you lane. couldn't see the road because it was so low in the darkness they had to go and there downhill. Was Fifteen cars behind and us. And right <laughs> is when we let, ran out of cell service. So I was just like, this is it. You know, we're, we're going to get mauled by some creature out here in the woods. Some Wendigo is going to knock us off. Uh, but well, we made it back. The, at least the road had uh, like markings on it. So we knew it wasn't <laughs> too crazy. But, uh, but yeah, that was certainly an interesting ride back. I, there were parts of Pennsylvania uh, locally, too. Yeah. We weren't that far away that I'd never seen before. So I guess that uh, that works out. But yeah, two tough losses for Shepherd basketball over the weekend on the road at Lock Haven. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But we also, well, Parker, how was your weekend? You know, it was a pretty good weekend. You got to hang around for a little bit, and it, honestly, pretty lazy weekend. I'm not going to lie to you. I do want to say I did spend some time yesterday in Winchester just because I hadn't been down there, there yet. I don't know what that area is called that you can the walk through. The walking mall? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Dude, it's nice, isn't it? Nice little theater down there. It, it is nice, yeah. It seemed like it was the place to be on a Sunday afternoon. It was cool. Oh, yeah. It's pretty sweet. Roma. I'm always going to tell everybody to go to Roma. I've downtown. got the stuff for the mozzarella sticks. Oh, oh, there he is. There, there he is. See? You know. You know what's going down. And they were yeah. they were fantastic. You know if you, if you know, you know with the Roma mozzarella sticks. Just Except for the there. one time I went, literally only to get mozzarella sticks there. And they were like, yeah, we're not doing them anymore. And I was like, well, that's really the only reason I'm here. So I guess I'll just get <laughs> and a... It, uh... And it was so bad because I was planning on going to Roma not too long after that happened. And he was telling me, oh, they stopped doing the mozzarella sticks. So I was thinking, oh, no. And, and I told someone, I was like, listen, you're going to love these mozzarella sticks. And then we get there, and I'm like, if it's not there, I apologize. I was told some information that they're not doing it anymore. So, oh, I, so you're just gonna throw me under the bus? I I didn't name. <laughs> I didn't. Now you know you know the profession we're in. I didn't t- I didn't let you That's out right. by name. Off the record. Off the record. But I was saying there may, it may or may not be here. They might may or may have not discontinued this. 
Thankfully, they had him. So yeah, big time. Thanks. Day, they had him. Day was saved. But yeah, uh, the walking mall's cool. Um, when uh, Apple Blossom comes back around, uh, oh yeah, that's if we can April. all get down there for that. That is a blast for Apple Blossom. Huge parade. Um, a couple they've had. They always have like a big uh, sports figures. One of the marshals, like Cal Ripken, was there one year. They had Terry Bradshaw last year. Yeah, wow. a bunch of different guys. That's so that's a big one. You'll trust me. You'll know about it when Apple Blossom's coming back around because all of our, especially our music stations, go uh, pretty big into that one. But Let's get back to uh, sports talk here, because like you mentioned, we had a lot of good basketball on the airwaves over the weekend, and it started on Friday with some real good high school basketball. Oh, man, it was it was spectacular. Uh, catching up with that game between Martinsburg and Spring Mills is an early favorite. Well, or I shouldn't say early because we're later in the season. That might be the game of the year yeah. candidate right now. Back and forth, end to end, 59-56. to 56, Spring Mills wins the game in overtime. Uh, the crowd was electric. Martinsburg came to play. I mean, they got some guys that can hit some shots for them. Uh, I was really impressed with Shipley down the stretch in that game. Uh, Clark hit a couple of big shots. Uh, would be as well. You know, they're well coached. We knew that this is what it was going to be like at the end of the season for uh, uh, Dave Rogers. And we can talk really briefly on the other side about how, you know, Hedgesville dropped the game to Musselman. But uh, you look at how things are shaping up and we just kind of thought that, well, you look at Jefferson, you look at Hedgesville, you look at Spring Mills, they were going to run their way through to the regional final. And then we were going to start seeing competitive basketball. But Martinsburg's going to get one of Spring Mills or Hedgesville in the first round of the section. That's going to be insane. That other section is going to be between Musselman and Washington. That's going to be a ton of fun. And then you advance and play the teams to get the bye. So playoff basketball, uh, as far as the boys are concerned, of course, we need to shout out the girls. Spring Mill still undefeated. They're just, I mean, just stacking Ws. They're head and shoulders about everybody else right uh, now. But the girls' regionals and sectionals are going to be fun to see who the second team is. Uh, but, man, these boys' games are so competitive. And here are some of the highlights from Friday night's game. Up top now to Franklin. 70 seconds left to play. He'll give it to Davis off the th- screen for the tie. He got it. Austin Davis hits the three, and we're tied up at 49 points apiece. Three seconds left. Thomas to get it in. Lobs it down the length of the floor to Davis. Turns and fires. Good if it goes. It's short. And we're headed to overtime. I think it's been well officiated. Inbounds to Thomas. Slam dunk. Slam dunk with the right hand. 53-49. And this place is about to explode. And the inbounds now to Bordley. Bordley races ahead. 45 seconds left to play. Bordley goes to the rim. Foul whistle. And one. He got the shot to go. Pandemonium here in the Cargo Coliseum. Looking to break the pressure. Baseball pass down the floor. Robinson behind the defense. Lays it in. Uncontested Caleb Robinson. And you can tell from that that it was definitely an exciting game with a lot of uh, good action, especially in overtime. And uh, we were talking on the way up to Lock Haven that next day, uh, the next morning, that a lot of these big plays all happened in overtime. Yeah, they did. You know, think about that Robinson pass over top of the defense. That was a gutsy call by Luke Samples. Under a minute left to play a one-point game. They put everybody in the backcourt. Robinson leaks out like a wide receiver. They hit him in stride. Uh, the Thomas dunk, you know, for him to try that in overtime. Uh, somebody, over top of somebody. Yeah, for him to, I mean, we know he's capable of doing that, but a little reluctant to on the season. The fact that he was willing to try that uh, in regular, I'm sorry, in overtime, like you said, was uh, spectacular. And then, you know, some crazy takes to the basket there by Shipley from Martinsburg to tie the game a couple of times. Had some players hit some big shots. I mean, you know, nobody was shying away from the moment in Spring Mills. Yeah, that's impressive, and we talk about these three teams. We've been highlighting them all season long between Jefferson, Hedgesville, and Spring Mills. That four and five, they're they're right now. We can look for a team maybe could pull an upset. We I mean we saw one just this weekend, like we mentioned before. We saw Musselman upset Hedgesville. Martinsburg almost pulled the upset against Spring Mills. It's right there. So the that four and five team right now in that EPAC, it's it's getting close. It's getting close. It's end of the season. 
And we're speaking to the depth of this conference. It's it's showing right now, and it's really impressive. Here's Coach Staples' words after the game. 59 to 56, the final score here at the Cardinal Coliseum as the Cardinals pick up a key victory in conference play. And the sweatiest man on the floor who did not play is head coach Luke Samples. And uh, coach, man, it's entertaining basketball every time we come here. Yeah, man. Uh, again, like I told you, I tell you guys all the time, man, we want to create a winning atmosphere here, and I think we've done that. Uh, we're undefeated at home. And uh, every game, man, it's just like we're going to get everyone's best punch. Martinsburg credit them, man. They played really, really hard, uh, fought back in the second half, and uh, we were in a little bit of foul trouble but found a way to win like we have been doing here. So uh, excited. Well, I want to talk about navigating foul trouble, specifically Caleb Thomas. When he gets to three, I noticed you looked over at him, pointed to the temple, say you got to play smart. And for whatever reason, after that third foul he picked up, he just started to really take things over offensively. So you have to be – proud of for the most part how you navigated and your players navigated foul trouble well the key is man i do not suffer foul trouble man there's no use what are you waiting for i mean they might never foul again like ct and uh like ct is a sophomore going on you know a super senior he's so he's his iq is so high he understands the game point to point to my floor point to my uh temple he knows what that means just just think man don't don't again man we gave up some layups because i told him don't try to block as many shots we got we need you on the floor you're our inbounder and you're our point guard so he's inbounding the ball bringing the ball up Uh, we need him on the floor of course we need the block shots but um Again, man, uh, he's, uh, I'm not subbing for foul trouble. We're not going to do that. Um, and at the end of the game, we'll find a way to win. Max was out. You know, we still won. Well, Coach, you know, we're coming down to the stretch now. Things are starting to get pretty important. And this was a tough matchup. You said right when you started that everybody wants to come in here and beat you guys at home. So uh, it was a hostile environment, of course, on your side. But it's got to make you feel pretty good that your team was able to fight through that adversity and then get a tough overtime win. Yeah, man, last year, that's the difference between this year and last year. We had no seniors. We have seniors now, man. And, uh, it's exactly what we did last year, man. We beat Hedgesville at, at the first. We beat Martinsburg first. And then we lost to Martinsburg and we lost to Hedgesville. And it's like, you can't do that. We put ourselves in perfect position through our hard work and dedication. So, and that's what the kids, man, like, I'm telling you, I'm not worried. I'm not worried in the end of the game, man. They're going to, they're going to, I feel they're going to pull out every close game. And they have. Like, our, the losses have been, you know, lopsided, the, our losses. And at the end of the game, our kids' mindset, man, that they believe they can win. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's every night's a dog fight, and that's, that's what you play for. Like I told them, have fun before the game. And they had a lot of fun tonight. I'm proud of them. Well, you know, with Keyshaw Cheek being out uh, for the foreseeable future, somebody had to step up, and it looks like CT is that guy that did that. Yeah, man, CT is a very, very nice, polite, quiet <laughs> kid. Um, and, I, 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 you know, I, I've never pushed CT to be anyone he wasn't. Um, he's aggressive in his own way. He doesn't like to take bad shots. He's a perfectionist. And uh, – I just told him, man, like, don't, don't worry about that stuff. Like, take over this team. You know, with our seniors um, and you, like, we can go. There's no, there's no telling how far we can go. But the confidence that he's gained, even in, like, the dunk. Yeah. He would never have done that. He would have laid it in. Because, uh, Coach, I'm not going to give up two points. I'm like, CT, you dunk it with ease. And, again, I think, that, I think the dunk was what, you know, really turned the game. Martinsburg had a little bit of last gasp effort. But, uh, again, man, CT uh, growing in front of our eyes. Uh, like I told uh, – the other guys, if he's not first-team All-State, I don't know who is. I've never seen it. Uh, well, Coach, last question to you. Um, this Martinsburg team, kind of towards the bottom, you look at their conference record 2-6. and six, You're obviously the squad with the best record in conference play now up to 6-1. Uh, and one. And, and this is a team towards the bottom of the EPAC that's now played you within six and then played you within a possession here of your home floor. I mean, this conference, uh, it's almost like playing in the Big East or the Big, the Big 12. There's a <laughs> tough game no matter where you look. Physical. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we share the same town. 
Yeah. We wanted to take the town tonight, and we did. I mean, you know, it was season sweep. We might see them in the playoffs. We hope not. We want to get that by. And then, uh, you know, in the playoffs, if we play them, them or Hedgesville, Hedgesville lost tonight to Musselman. So um, on their floor, so that, that, I mean, that, that matters. Um, every game matters. Like I told the guys, the Washington games. And Martinsburg's a good team. I don't get the, I don't get the whole, like, Martinsburg's down this year. Martinsburg's never down. They have good guards. They have big, athletic, strong kids. Um, and they don't look, they, they've only lost to good teams. So, I mean, uh, credit them. They had a good game plan, and their kids fought hard. And that's Coach Samples after their win over Martinsburg on Friday, which, of course, you could have heard right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. But I agree with you. I think that's definitely contender for a game of the year, especially with that atmosphere at Spring Mills, which is definitely something uh, something fun to experience. And they're playing good basketball, which also helps. Now, uh, there was a, another game going on that Friday that was a big upset, at least a surprising upset for uh, in my eyes, was Hedgesville going down. Yeah, it was interesting to see that come kind of come across the scroller because we were talking to Coach after the game, and he just kind of casually slipped in. Somebody must have told him when the game was over, yeah, uh, Hedgesville lost to Musselman tonight. And I think you and I were both kind of like, what, really? Uh-huh. Well, they absolutely did. Not only did they lose, they lost by nine points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a crazy thing to see. It, it shows how competitive Musselman could be. And let's be honest with ourselves, this is – Probably the first time, because Wollstone came back against University for Musselman, he didn't look right. Like He was just trying to get back into the, the swing of things. You can make the argument, this is the first time that Wollstone's been at 100%, and they get that win against Hedgesville. You know, there's so much parity. Spring Mills talks about this big win against Martinsburg, and then they go on the road at Morgantown and lose by 25. You know, anybody can be beaten. I think that's the most important thing. Musselman and Martinsburg have closed the gap significantly from the beginning of the season to now to the third team, whoever that third team is. Yeah, I think we all kind of joked that uh, you were Team Spring Mills, Jordan was Team Hedgesville, and I was kind of Team Jefferson there for a little bit. And I don't think anybody knows who's number one right uh-uh. now. No. Uh, and these teams, you know, Spring Mills could have very easily lost to Martinsburg if one or two things had gone differently. And then Hedgesville did lose to Musselman, and Washington's still out there looking to slay a couple of Giants. So it's just crazy. Although, again, that Hedgesville-Musselman game is a really surprising scoreline. Yeah, there's definitely a case you can make. There are cracks in the armor of every EPAC team, and it depends on how you attack those cracks is if you can pull off an upset. And Well, Musselman was able to find the cracks in Hedgesville's armor and knock them down a perk. It's it's interesting to see how that played out, and it, again, I think it really shakes up things because now you got an Appleman team that's getting a little bit of a boost back with the return of Troy Woolston. And this could be like that second season surge. A lot of people talk about that, getting hot at the right time. Is Musselman going to get hot at the right time and maybe go into their section, pull off a big win against maybe Washington, and then go on a run and maybe knock somebody off in an upset? It's entirely possible. Martinsburg could knock off either if they're going to play Hedgesville or Spring Mills in that opening sectional game. They brought Spring Mills down to the wire. Could they do the same against Hedgesville? It's a lot of questions we're going to have to ask come late February into early March. It's it's going to be exciting either way. I'm pumped up for it. Well, we'll step aside briefly, come back, and we'll chat Shepard men's and women's basketball after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com. On Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Nice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Before we get to Shepherd Men's and Women's Basketball, let's uh, close up kind of our prep sports segment because uh, 
Well, somebody put in here a little high school swim update. To see uh, the Region Two swim meet was at Shepherd, uh, and from what we understand, fortunately we weren't able to be there because mm-hmm. of our commitments to Shepherd basketball and things like that. Uh, not only did Jefferson win uh, in the the boys meet, but they dominated it. I'll get the scores up here in a second, and we wanted to shout out an individual athlete as well, uh, breaking a couple of records. And then in the girls' side of things, Fairmont Senior won it. Spring Mills finished in second. Uh, so shout out to the Cardinals there. It was Nick Lugo that apparently uh, broke a couple of records, one of which was his own um in that uh region meet again that was held at shepherd university it looks like the 200 meter free uh i don't really know what a great time was so 145 49 and the record was set in 2013 was 146 45 so he beat it by about a second and then the 100 meter fly uh which he broke his own record from last year by about a second as well so uh they get to advance i know the state meet this year is at the new aquatic center in morgantown uh and we'll do our best when that comes around to uh, update the listeners on the situation there but shout out to some local swim yeah and a quick shout out to my nephew's youth team uh the blue team which they have a name i just can't tell what their real estate group sponsor is or whatever but they stay undefeated yesterday beating the gold team 30 to 2 30 to 2 just a uh beat down there at the berkeley 200 2000 center uh but my nephew noah ends up 16 points 10 rebounds eight assists and it was a good game uh, for the whole blue team i know uh old tripped up noah I know, man. He was they, they was killing it. Their whole team uh, it, it plays so well for young kids. It's uh, it's impressive to watch. But going over towards Shepherd basketball now, the women still looking for that first win of the season, uh, going zero and twenty one on the year after losing to Lock Haven on the road, forty three to seventy. And this one, this one was a tough one. I mean. Well, I don't know what much else really to say about this team other than they're just trying to figure out what works and what group works and, you know, what play style works for them. And I think they kind of found a couple of things over the weekend, especially going, you know, a little bit more fast paced in that man to man defense, but still, you know, unable to kind of see a game through. Yeah, I think every time we talk about this women's team, we try to do a good job of saying this is what this team did well, this is what they didn't, you know, this is what they need to build on, this is what they need to get rid of. In terms of things they did well, I think I agree with you. The man to man was better. I really mm-hmm. do. They created, uh, you know, they, they created chaos, came up with some turnovers, put some more pressure on the ball, forced uh, Lockhaven to take some bad shots deeper into the shot clock, things like that. I was impressed with that. Kendall Hagerty has not shot the ball well at all mm-hmm. this year, not for lack of trying. Uh, she was 17% coming into this game, but shoots four for four from three. So that was a really important game for her. Jordan Carr played well again as well. Um, and then the the biggest problem I think the team had in this game again was rebounding. There are so many instances where guards were coming from the high post or outside the perimeter, sneaking in for offensive rebounds. And we were courtside, so you could just kind of see it happening. You know, a little bit too much ball watching. You got to turn around, especially in that man-to-man, which I guess is part of it. It's hard to rebound in a zone because you don't know who to box out. Mm-hmm. And then in man-to-man, it's hard to remember that you have to specifically box out your man when you don't play a lot of it so that led to a couple of opportunities for lock haven in the offensive glass uh their player robinson that just tied their single season record of, for in the program history in blocks was a lot or too much for them to handle in the game played incredibly well so you know the takeaways from that game for me Hagerty's starting to find a rhythm Carr continues to be a really good pace setter off the bench. I think man-to-man might be the future for this team the last six games, and you've got to rebound better. Yeah, rebounding is the, the biggest thing. I mean, it's just so such a glaring uh, problem for the team is how you know bad that they rebound out there. But we were able to catch up with Coach Kaufman after the game, and here are some of her thoughts. Shepard and coach I want to start by asking you about the depth in this game I think this was the most that you utilized substitutes played a lot more man-to-man was that kind of by design in this game to try to get some fresher faces on the floor um 
I think I kind of went with them just because uh, our starting five I don't think showed up to the game today um, to start. And so, you know, the the bench players, quote-unquote, they've been, um, you know, really playing hard in practice, and I think they've earned those minutes. Um, they did a really good job. You know, Riley coming off the bench. I mean, Jordan coming off the bench. You know, Madison as well. You know, she's started some this year, and then she's come off the bench. You know, she knows her role, and, and she's been awesome for us. And so I just I thought they were playing really well when they earned those minutes to get in there, and I just – you know, I want to find five that are going to work hard and, and go, you know, go hard. And I thought they did a really good job. And so that's kind of why I continued to play them a little bit more than, than the others. Well, well Coach, let's uh, build on kind of the defensive identity for this team this year. Uh, play a lot of 2 3, some man to man as well. Still kind of figuring out what defense works well for your squad. Yeah, we've struggled a little bit. We started um, in a matchup to start the season. We didn't really, uh, you know, buy into that. So then we went straight 2 3. And now we're trying to add, you know, man in there as well. Um, so just kind of changed up a little bit for us but also for you know our opponents well i think that man-to-man -man really worked especially there in the second half and i thought as well when the team really tried to kind of push the pressure and didn't necessarily try to work through the offense yeah. it seemed like that really had a lot of success too so is that kind of one of the things in the you know the halftime break to keep the momentum up keep the pressure up and it, it worked to a pretty good clip yeah yeah we went all man in the second half and you know, I'm just trying to get this team to understand, like, we can't just worry about our offense. Like, we have our offense will come from our defense when we get stops, but it's one of our goals. We're trying to get as many stop and scores, but it starts with a stop and then execute and score. So that's kind of what um, what this team's focus is. I'm trying to get them more of a defensive-minded. And I really like the game of Jordan Clark, too. She seems like really your all-around kind of ball handler out there. Uh, and I guess are you still kind of looking for that, uh, you know, person to step up and kind of yeah. take over the captain role? Yeah, we've been we've been talking about that all year, that this, this team has this opportunity right now to step up. Um, there's going to be a lot of new faces here next year. Um, and so I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, leaders and people to, to find, whether it be a role, whether it be, you know, you, you want to be that, that girl. Like, you have the opportunity to do that. And I'm trying – I'm trying to, you know, build confidence, but also trying to get, you know, the, the main kids who were here last year, but also kids that I've recruited and, and have just showed up, you know, like I'm trying to, to instill that in everyone. And I'm, I'm waiting, still waiting for somebody to, to, to show up. Well, Coach, lastly, six more games left of the schedule. Thankfully, yep. four of those coming home. So yeah. a couple of quality opportunities for you guys to kind of break that drought and get the, the win potentially on the home floor. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so, especially Wednesday. Um, I think the girls will be fired up because we're back home. Um, you know, and we're going to have a lot of people in the stands. So, you know, I'm hoping that we'll be ready to go. That's Shepherd women's head basketball coach Julie Kaufman in her first season as uh, women's basketball coach. And, of course, we've talked about it at length, uh, Coach Huckleberry leaving last year and a bunch of girls, you know, transferring and graduating and going different places. So she was a little bit behind the eight ball, uh, you know, taking over the Shepherd program. But, you know, she's just working with what she's got, trying to find the right uh, pieces to the puzzle. I think there are – I think some of the right pieces to the puzzle are already on that roster, but it's just trying to figure out, you know, who meshes well the best. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we forget well, one thing that I also want to say is there's a bunch of different girls you watch on this roster that you could say she would be a really good third option on a team. And it's no disrespect to the players that they have. You know, Hagerty and Grant both kind of struggle to get their shot away. If Abby Beeman, I know it's, you know, wishful thinking, if Abby Beeman was still here, everybody would be much better because you had oh, somebody yeah. to facilitate and kind of take that kind of pressure off the ball. You know, the same with Bowles, the same with Minor. You know, you can tell that the pieces that they have, you know, Carr coming off the bench as a backup facilitator, they all would make sense if you had just a little bit more star power. You know, this team... It would be completely different, and I know Beeman's an exception because she was probably one of the best D two girls players, women's players ever. 
But, you know, if you bring in a primary ball handler with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more of an ability to create shots for teammates and yourself, and a little bit more of a traditional big that had some skills around the rim, I think that's night and day for this team. Because, you know, the players that Coach Kaufman has brought in, you can see how she's trying to get them to go into this role. But at the end of the day, there's still a uh, shot creation that needs mm-hmm. to be out there for this team. There's still, you know, a player with good post move scoring around the room that needs to happen that just hasn't been met. So I fully trust in her ability if she's able to land those players. I mean, yeah. that's the next part of the battle is recruiting that she knows what this current group of players whoever's coming back from this mixture are going to kind of start to slot in a little bit further down the depth chart but fill into a much more capable role. And you mentioned the last year's team. One of the biggest things, the difference from last year to this year, is really, I think, the trend of making Megan Shipley a number one scoring option. I mean, she was a number four scoring option right. last year. Her her role was simple. Cut to the basket. Abby will throw you a dime. Put it up. That's That was Megan's role last year. Now she's seen in more of a position. She's kind of being mainly a point forward for this team a lot of the time. And that's a lot of pressure going on to a true sophomore at that, too. She's putting right into that role. And I think you alluded to it too. I think really the big step right now is going to be recruiting. I I don't know how difficult it's going to be in the recruiting cycle right now. I mean, you look at a team where I think not winning a game is sadly a realistic scenario for them right now. And it's going to be hard to recruit someone to a team that goes winless last season and to try and change a culture. you got to find somebody who's really bought into the scheme that Coach Kaufman's trying to formulate. And I think a big thing right now is there needs to be a fine print scheme. I know they're trying different things, trying to find ways to utilize their players the best way. At the end of this season, you really need to define a scheme in your offense and your defense to really find who you want to recruit because it's one thing to go out into the find people that'll fit your system. It's another thing to just go find a good player and they not work out and they go transfer after a year and you've just waited, wasted all your time recruiting. Well, we'll step aside briefly. We'll be back in two minutes, and we'll talk about the men's matchup up at Lock Haven as well on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchen2bath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, we talked about the... Shepard women's basketball loss on the road at uh, Lock Haven over the weekend. And, well, unfortunately, it was two losses for the Rams with a 64-58 to loss for the men. Philip Jordan leading scorer, 21 points. Uh, John Preston with 10. <clears throat> Excuse me, Aiden Hewley with 9. And Carson Poffenberger with 6. Notable absence, Dan McLean Corley not, in the, not dressing at all with a walking boot on, the, hearing words that it's turf toe. And it was more of a precautionary thing to have him out for the game. But, uh, Luke, not having him him in there, I think – well, having him in there, I think, gives them a win. Yeah, I think they do win this game if he plays. But, you know, when we look back at this season at the end, we're probably going to be more fortunate the fact that he didn't play in this game and you can use Mm -hmm. him for the remaining six that you have, four of which are at home. And I really think Shepard probably needs to win four of their six remaining games, regardless of which ones they are, to make sure that they uh, procure a spot in the conference tournament and have a chance of being competitive. Another game you lose late. You know, uh, Davis there for Lockhaven hit some big shots. That dude's unreal. There's just only so much that they could do. You know, Philip Jordan kept them close. John Preston hit a couple of big shots in the game. I thought everybody had some moments that played, and I thought that Gibson and Goddard played very well, asked to play a significantly larger role. Um, But, you know... This one doesn't fall into that four-point threshold. I had said that before this game, Shepard is 1-5 in games decided by four points or less. This one decided by more. 
but it's right there in those games that at the end of the season you're going to wish that you can have back. Obviously, it's the conference tournament games and beyond that that matter more than the regular season games, but it's another one where they ran into a tough conference team at their barn and just weren't able to get it done in in the dwindling minutes of uh, regulation. And boy, was it ever a barn at Thomas Fieldhouse on the campus of Lock Haven University. But here is Coach Damlick after the game. We are now joined by Shepard Ben's head basketball coach Damalik after a 64 to 58 loss here on the road at Lockhaven. And coach, this is really the last of a long stretch of games, and you get a couple back at home, and it's got to be uh, a little frustrating to drop another close game like this. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, not having DC was definitely you know struggle. I thought we hung in there pretty well. Um, you know, we just couldn't get that lead in the second half, and. Uh, you know, just a couple possessions here and there. You know, low possession game, <clears throat> low possession games. Everything matters. You know, I mean, I think Gerard missed two free throws. Um, you know, that's an empty. Ada missed two. That's an empty. A uh, couple turnovers. You know, I thought, you know, PJ just did so well, and then you know he had to do so much. You know, he probably had a couple decisions that were bad. You know, but like I mean, for the most part, he was he was he was trying his best. So. Um, you know, former last six are at home. We just got to regroup and uh, try to keep finishing this February out strong. Well, a lot of these games, and uh, you've had some good wins in this last stretch, but tough losses yeah. and tight contests. You have to feel at least a little bit good knowing the fight in this team because these losses have been against some of the best teams in the conference. Well, I mean, I told you before, like, to, you know, I mean, we we show we can play with anybody. You know, and if the playoffs come, we we'll have to go on the road now. That's the way it's sitting right now. You know, that's, you know, things can change, but. You know, we, we know we can do that. We just have to keep working to get better. You know, I think uh, just a few things here and there. And, um, you know, we're so close. You know, we're still close. And, um, you know, it's hard to win on the road. Um, but, you know, I think our, our efforts there, like our, our competing there, is just, just going to get over the hump, man. Uh, and, Coach, a positive from this game, though, defensively, one of the top scoring offenses uh, in the conference. You hold them to just 27 points in the first half, 64 yeah. in general. Kind of slowed things down and uh, mucked things up a little bit without DMC in the lineup. Was that was that kind of a game plan to uh, <coughs> kind of slow things down and give them opportunity, fewer opportunities? Yeah, to I think it wasn't necessarily slow down to slow down the pace. I mean, in this league, the pace is already kind of slow. I mean, just, you know, teams are, they know what, you know, just teams are scouted so well. Thought they were going to try to go under a lot of ball screens with PJ. Uh, and we were just going to keep on using that to force them to go over and get the advantage. That was kind of why we kind of went that way. And also, she was just getting the ball in PJ's hands more today. Um, you know, just, you know, taking his time to try to create things. But, well, Coach, uh, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the, last question here, and then we'll let you go. Now, at halftime, there seemed to, well, towards halftime, there was a lot of, uh, the Tetsy level went up, and yeah. it seems there's not a lot of love lost between uh, the Rams and the Bald Eagles here. So can you yeah. kind of walk us through uh, what that kind of situation was there? I need to do a better job of keeping my composure, that's for sure. I told the team before, um, you know, I wasn't going to let it bother me, but I, I did, and I need to be better, and I'm not going to share any more else throughout the <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and that's Coach Justin Namlick after the Shepard Rams loss on the road at Lockhaven, and it was definitely an intense game, that's for sure. Both these teams, both these coaches especially, excuse me, don't seem to get along very well, and uh, there was a moment where the coaching staff for Lockhaven uh, was kind of talking about different foul calls and things on the floor, and Coach Namlick and the Shepard Rams coaching staff didn't quite like that too much, so words started flying and uh, <laughs> posturing started to happen, and you know, that's what I think I like most about Coach Namlick, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this in the past. He seems like the perfect player coach that has his players' backs 
all the time. Because every time out, every stop, he's always going up, talking to the referees, talking to guys. Um, but that was a, an interesting kind of addition to that game. But uh, another tough loss uh, for the Rams here, Parker. And, uh, you know, only six games left. And, I mean, they drop one or two more, and they don't they don't even make the conference tournament. Yeah, it's a type of scenario you look at, and you're like, well, we've talked about this team, and I've made the made the uh, simulation. Always the bride's way made, never the bride. For this men's team, it feels like they come so close. And I think if D.C. does play this game, we do look at a Rams victory in this one. It's They're playing every team in this conference so tight right now, and it's it's frustrating. You look at it. The team's sitting at 500. They're, they're dead even 500 in conference play right now, too. And you're really right now looking at a crossroads in your season. you got Mansfield coming into town on the 8th. Then you got Bloomsburg coming in on Saturday. I think that's a good chance to get a two-game win streak mm-hmm. under your belt before you're really going on an absolute gauntlet towards the end of your season. You got Westchester for the return matchup coming up next Wednesday. Then you're at East Strasburg next Saturday in a matchup where it's going to be really hard to sweep the Warriors. You pulled off an amazing upset in the Butcher Center. Can you do it again? Westchester, you, people were saying it's a fluke that Westchester won that first game over in the Fieldhouse against Shepard. Can the Rams win the return matchup? These two teams split last season. That was the opening matchup in the PSAC tournament where the Golden Rams ended up beating Shepard. Shippensburg in a return matchup on the 22nd. That game down to the wire. You could argue the Rams should have won that one too. And then you got to go on the road against Kutztown to end the season, which, I mean, if the Rams don't get a good stretch of games going here, that could be for the final spot in the East if they don't piece this together and win the games they should win. So you're you're in four of your last six or at home, which is good. And I think there's a good opportunity to really get the ball rolling and get hot at the right time. And I think that's really what this team needs right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, three back-to-back-to-back home games are huge because this was such a tough stretch of games for the Rams and so much travel. I mean, at Lockhaven, at Millersville, at Shippensburg, which isn't that bad, but you add that along with at Westchester and at Mansfield uh, is a really, really tough, and that's all within like a two-week span. So uh, it's going to be nice for the Rams to get back home to the Butcher Center this week. Uh, Again, Wednesday, Saturday, and Wednesday are the next three games uh, at the Butcher Center. And I, I agree with you. I think Mansfield should be a win. Bloomsburg is senior day, by the way. It'll be a short senior day with only one senior, John Preston, on the team. It's John um, Preston Day. Yeah, exactly. It's John Preston Day. So I think you're right. Two big uh, potential wins there. But if they don't beat if they don't beat Bloomsburg or Mansfield, I think, yeah, I think that I, almost does it. I, I think that technically they could kind of stumble through these remaining games and still make the, the conference tournament. But if they want to have any chance of doing anything in the postseason, I think they have to win the next three in a row. Well, we'll step aside briefly, come back, because we still have a ton to talk about and only like 15 minutes to do so. So uh, we'll be back to wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchen to Bath. You can check them out at MountaineerKitchenToBath.com on Facebook, or you can visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Nice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. And as it says, it has not failed for the month of February. You're J- proving it never fails. And proving it never fails. <laughs> never failed once. There's the translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jalen Brown was Friday's lock of the day to hit two plus threes. He got that. Aiden was not able to get the the points, though. He was under his 18 and a half. And then the Magic and Timberwolves were able to go over the 228 and a half that I thought that was going to be the under on. So split one of three for Friday. Now into Monday. 
I've got the lock of the day for today. Let me get today's slate up real quick. So we've got, I got lock of the day for today. I got the Clippers beating the Nets, especially after, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. What's going on with the Brooklyn Nets? I think the Clippers get an easy win here over in the Barclays Center. I think the Clippers keep the ship riding and try and get themselves in a solidified spot for that Western Conference. I think the Bucks beat the Trailblazers as well. I think Giannis and the squad are going to come in, get a big win against Portland. And I like Cleveland to get the road win against Washington as well today. So LA Clippers today's lock, Cavs and Bucks to win as well. Can we talk about my bad beat last night in the uh, Knicks game? Uh, that's a tough scene. Yeah, it was a tough one. So, of course, Knicks playing the uh, 76ers last night. They get a big win. Uh, but, of course, I put a little action on it, right? She got to Sunday Night Basketball. And I threw in two different bets. So, I put one in for Jalen Brunson, first bucket of the game. And uh, it goes two, th- four possessions, right? Back and forth, back and forth. Then, finally, uh, Brunson gets fouled and gets his first bucket to the game. You're, first you're bucket of the game on the like foul three line. Minutes. I loved it. I was loving it. And I couldn't get it because of the Dang's Pro Bowl. I couldn't watch it on TV, so I was listening to it on the on their radio stream, which I knew was like a couple seconds off, so I was freaking out the whole time. But then I threw an extra one in or another one in, uh, a parlay, and it had the Knicks uh, covering a four-and-a-half point spread, Julius Randle over 24-and-a-half uh, points, Joel Embiid under 32.5 points, and Jalen Brunson over 5.5 assists. The Knicks hit the spread. Brunson hits the assists. Uh, Embiid plays awful and hits the under. And then, of course, Julius Randle scores 24 points, but not enough for me to hit the over of 24 and a half. All he needed, all he needed was one. And then when I saw him sit there, and they were just they let the shot clock run out uh, and ended up having like 10 seconds left on the in the game. And I was like, you guys can't just give You're just Julius Randle the ball score, one time. Score. It felt, I didn't know how – I was conflicted after the win. But it was a good win nonetheless for the Knicks. Well, we do want to mention that uh, from what I understand, I had this game kind of just running in the background. Miles McBride played really well. Played a great game. In, in this game uh, for the Knicks, 14 points, three rebounds, two assists. So shout out to Deuce. Well, Parker, do you want to give us a quick uh, pro sports rundown wrap around here while we got a little bit of time? Yeah, we definitely can do that. So obviously the big talking point over the weekend was Friday afternoon. I call it the uh, Panhandle Sports Live curse because there's always, it always feels like something big breaks <laughs> around like noon, like a couple hours after the show. Kyrie Irvin announces that he is seeking a trade on Friday evening from the Brooklyn Nets. And Sunday evening, we got that deal done. He is heading to the Dallas Mavericks. The package going back to Brooklyn includes Spencer Dinwiddie, who has already served a tour of Brooklyn. You got Dorian Finney-Smith heading that way, and then you've got multiple draft picks coming from the Dallas Mavericks for Kyrie Irving. I'm interested to see, and I want to hear you guys' input on this. How is this going to work with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, two guys that are very ball-dominant guards? We know the we know what comes with Kyrie Irving and the risk that Dallas is going to have to take. They're going to have to try and sign him to an extension. What do you think? This is a risk for Dallas to try and go all in right now with Kyrie Irving, or is it a case of where you look at it and say, well, Luca needs another superstar beside him if they really want to win a championship? He, he needs somebody that's not Spencer Dinwiddie or Christian Wood. Right. So it, it yeah. makes a ton of sense. Uh, but you know, the minutes disparity 
is obviously going to be big, but Kyrie's won a championship being the second best guy and won one in Cleveland with LeBron. So, you know, you're going to have to make it work at some point. I mean, Luka Doncic has got to have the highest user rate in the NBA this year. So you're just going to have to make it work. This was an opportunity for them to get a superstar level player on a pretty good deal because of all of his off the court issues. So you have to make it work at some point. I mean, Luka got into the Western Conference Finals last year. Don't get me wrong, but they still need that extra star to get them over. Is it Kyrie? I don't know. But him now, Kyrie and Christian Wood, because Christian Wood can score and doesn't need the ball much. I think it makes sense for them to at least try. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's a good setup too, just to at least try. I think they need to take an absolute shot and just see if they can get this thing to work. And I think the Western Conference is the weakest it's been in years. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Geno Smith and Seahawks are apparently really close on a new deal right now. I'm fully expecting him to remain in Seattle. It makes a lot of sense. And then we'll, uh, let's touch a little bit on the Senior Bowl, guys. Of course, Tyson Bajant had his debut out against some of the bigger guys in college. He got the he got the fourth quarter reps mainly for the American team. Goes out 17 to 22 for 138 yards. Throws an interception towards the end of the game, but he was trying to make something work. The American team was down by, I think, 10 points was the margin that they lost by to the national team. He tried to find something there. He gets intercepted. But a nice little showing there for Tyson. He was able to show some scouts what he could really do. Yeah, I think the interception was bad, yeah. uh, to yeah. be completely honest with you. But you look at the, how that game was played. Jay Kaner was the best quarterback, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think mm-hmm. he really helped his stock. And I think you can make the argument that Bajan was number two. I mean, Cunningham had the one touchdown throw, but it was underthrown. I thought Clayton Toon did not play well. So Bajan had an opportunity to have really good reps in practice, which he did, and an okay kind of West Coast performance throwing the football. So I don't really think he did anything to hurt his draft stock, but he didn't do anything to skyrocket it up. Yeah, and you make your name in those things in the practices where he definitely did that and some. So, uh, I mean, he could only hurt himself in the game, but I agree. I don't think he did that. Interception there at the end of the game, he was just trying to you know make something happen with his feet. It was a pretty normal Tyson Bajan interception, just rushing out of the pocket, trying to find that last second throw and just over under through the guy a little bit. And of course, it was a uh, Maryland, I believe, a Maryland uh, defender yeah, that, that intercepted. So I got to see that interception about 15 times that day on uh, social media because of the Terrapins pages and whatnot. But I agree. I think uh, he did nothing but help himself this past week. Same thing with Joey Fisher. Same thing uh, with Ronnie Brown last week. So it would be interesting now once pro days start to uh, kind of matriculate their way out. I, I know that there were talks that they might be sending Bajan to University of Maryland senior day just to have more eyes on him and, you know, uh, things like that. And, of course, Shepard will have their senior day as well. But, um, yeah, I think it was good good showing for the Rams in these uh, senior-slash-postseason bowls. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, of course. We've got the NFL scouting combine. It's going to be coming up towards the end of February. Oh, he's in that too, right? Yeah. I would imagine, yeah, yeah Tyson's going to be invited to the scouting combine. So we'll have an opportunity to see Tyson around the 40, do some of these quarterback drills, see him throw into different guys as well. It'll be exciting to see in that lineup. And then pro days, of course, we'll get a good chance to check out all these guys working, getting their way to make their closer ranks to the NFL. So uh, some uh, baseball news. Apparently, Fernando Valenzuela is getting his number 34 retired this season by the L.A. Dodgers. I think it's fantastic. I don't know if there's been – you mean, you look at moments in history, you see Lynn Sanity, which I think happened like – I think yesterday showed up on my time like uh, like 11 years ago today. Long time ago. Happened. That was my first season as a Knicks fan. Good timing. Lynn Sanity. What a, what a time in our lives. Back, back in Gondam style was the number one song, I think, was – that time too hmm. a time in history yeah. but yeah fernando mania one of the biggest moments in baseball he gets his 34 retired it's well deserved really cool moment and then west virginia of course got a big basketball victory over the weekend they routed oklahoma at home well that's a big time win there and i've I saw people online were saying so west virginia beat oklahoma and oklahoma routed oklahoma oklahoma out alabama. routed alabama then does that make west virginia like the number two team in the nation was 
what people were saying. I think I think like they're number fifteen right now in Ken Palm too. So yeah, they went up to fourteen. That was that's that was insane. Huge. insane. And Eric Stevenson had a thirty piece. I think they played incredibly well against a good Oklahoma team. A couple more wins away from securing their spot in the NCAA tournament. The problem is people are afraid that they're not going to be able to finish higher than a ten or an eleven. Unfortunately, based on the way conference play started, but Ken Palm loves them. Top fourteen team in the nation after beating an Oklahoma team that, like you said, had routed a very very good Alabama team. And as well as being a really good team, number one went down over the weekend too. Purdue ended up losing to 21st ranked Indiana. How many times are they going to get beat and still be number one? That's <laughs> well, a good we question. need to ask ourselves this question. It, it was annoying, and I don't know if you brought this up when we were driving up to the the game, Jordan. But people are giving Indiana fans a hard time for rushing the floor after that yeah, game because yeah. they're a blue blood. Mm-hmm. And like I get that from a fan perspective, like but those are one. students, yeah, and it's number one. Yeah, but well, yeah, number one is number one. You're right, yeah, but number yeah. two, I mean, these are students. Like half the kids that are in that student section aren't going to the school because Indiana is a blue blood they're going there trying to watch a game right they want to storm the floor just like every other student section does when they beat a number one team you know if duke beat somebody else who was number one i would fully expect their fans to rush the floor because that's what you do give them a break and it was a big big win for indiana no i agree with that i think people are a little too um pretentious with things like that i guess but let's talk quickly about the pro bowl uh, the pro bowl games uh they had kind of a sequence of them they had the skills competition uh, the other day they had the full game i guess i don't really know how it was set up <laughs> i was kind of partially watching it at bits and pieces so like the spectacular catch challenge or whatever that was pretty lame if you ask me and yeah. then uh, the flag football game was decent but i don't know i guess they're just trying to throw darts at the wall and see what sticks and uh i don't know if this one necessarily did for me personally i'm sure people liked it but I mean, the, there was a good attendance. People talked about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it either. Uh, but it was a way to get all those stars on the field and nobody gets hurt, I guess. I yeah. turned it on just in time to watch the linemen yank the plates off of the yeah. chain. Like, what was that? That got weird. <laughs> yeah. And then the spectacular catch thing was just weird. There, I, I, I Was it Diggs? Or, it was Diggs that was giving Michael Vick a hard time. Like, do not talk to Michael Vick like that. Let's, right. just, let's get that out of the way real quick. <laughs> so I don't necessarily. Oh, and then Raider fans, believe it or not, got up in a heap because Derek Carr threw an interception during the flag football game. God forbid he's not our quarterback anymore, but the fan base wants to yell about that. Uh, so I, I guess it was a good try. I don't know. I think the skills competition, the only skill competitions I enjoy watching are everything that the NHL does. Yep. Because that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the NBA one's good. And the dunk contest. Yeah. I don't like watching like the skills, oh, whatever. Like the three point contest is okay, but the dunk contests and the anything the NHL does outside of that, I just really don't care. <laughs> also, I love in the Pro Bowl games, Tyler Huntley threw more touchdowns in that game than he did the entire season. Hear me out. He more. Then probably <laughs> half the guys on that roster deserves to be a Pro Bowler. I disagree. I mean, he took a Ravens team that should have just lost every game once Lamar Jackson I mean, went down and took him still to a playoff team. What people don't realize is how many people in the AFC said no. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. I mean, that's why most Carr of them are either too, injured or, or they just, you're in the Super Bowl if yeah. you're Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> hmm. Well, it just about does it for us. I want to take up uh, another minute and a half here and play this interview from Matthew Vanderpool, who won the 2023 uh, Rainbow Jersey, the world champion of cyclocross. And it was one of the best bicycle races I've ever watched in my entire life. You guys don't care at all, but it was amazing. So here it is. Here's his words after the race. That was a battle of the ages. Cyclocross fans from around the world will remember that for a very long time. Can you just put into words what you're feeling right now? Uh, It's really difficult to describe, I think. Uh, this is how everybody would would uh, say uh, in advance that uh, the race should be in a sprint with me against uh, against Wouten. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, it's incredible. Um, I think. Yeah, this was uh, for sure in my top uh, 
top three of nicest victories all time and yeah for sure I'm going to remember this for a long time. The atmosphere out there was just something that we haven't heard for you know a very long time but going into that final lap I mean what, what was going through your mind? I felt I felt super relaxed and I think that was maybe um, the key to win today I could stay really calm and I think everybody expected me to make a move at the barriers but I already knew I just wanted to go to the sprint. I know the sprint here and yeah, it's super strange. Um, it's difficult to put into words. I worked super hard for this one. Uh, I had a few uh, crap races with my back again and I reset with the team on training camp and worked towards this goal, which I already marked in the beginning of the season. And yeah. So for those of you that know, uh, know what gr how great of a race that was, back to Vanderpool and Wout Van Aert sprinting at the end. Uh, go back and watch that. If you go to my Twitter at Radio Nice, I think about six hours worth of uh, tweets were all related to that uh, race. If you want to check that out, but that does it for us on Panhandle Sports Live. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC Media Station. We're proud to live here too.